I invite you to take your Bibles to the book of Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1 is where we are. We're going through the book of Proverbs. What's the most important thing if you want wisdom? It's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 1, we find out that it is not something that God forces on you. He says in verse 28, Verse 28, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. If you would, look at verse number 29. He says, they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, in verse 30. That means it wasn't their will was involved. They would not. They could have, but they would not. And then it says they despised all my reproof in verse 32 for the turning away of the simple. And that is contrasted in verse 33 with hearkening. What does this mean? We get the choice of whether we live in the power of God, under the discipline of his word, or live foolishly. You get to make the choice. Now, if you're uh, at home under the authority of your parents, they get to make the choice as to whether you go to bed or not, whether or not you eat what's put in front of you, whether or not you apologize to your sibling. They can make you do all of these things, or they can really encourage you to want to do them. They have ways. Parents have ways. But, but did you notice here that to truly fear God is a choice? So what does that mean? It can't just mean being afraid of God, that God could kill me. Why would anyone choose to follow a God who is going to kill you? No one would. He's, he's not saying the only way for you to get wisdom is to be afraid that God's going to kill you. No, it's recognizing that my God could, if he wanted to, put me to death. But what's right there with it, coupled with it, is that God loves me and does not want to put me to death. But I can't really know the God of love unless I have the fear of that God. It's amazing. He said, what's the first and great commandment? Jesus said, thou shalt, what? Love the Lord thy God. How many times in the Old Testament do we find the phrase, thou shalt, or thou shalt not? But did you notice that he said, thou shalt love? Why? As we'll see in a little bit, love is connected with fear. Fear is connected with love. He does not force you to love him, but he requires it. 
This is something that is difficult to understand for us because as humans, we say, if I want it, I'll make it happen. I will take nothing less than that. If I want it, I will have that. The Lord says, thou shalt, but he doesn't force you. So you can live in la-la land, and some of you do, I know, almost literally. You can live in a crazy fantasy land where you, you just want to do whatever you want to do. You can do that. God's not going to burn you to the ground. He's not going to grab a hold of you. He's not going to take your phone with all of the junk music on it and, and make it dissolve. He's not going to take all the secret things that you do and, and, and destroy them and destroy you with it. Now, your soul is being corrupted. All that stuff is getting into your system. But God's not going to come along and say, I'm taking that, and I'm taking that, and I'm taking that. You, if you come to God, you will do so willingly. And the fool here in chapter 1 said, I don't want to hear it. I'm turning away. And it is the, the turning away is what kills them. Why? They didn't choose the fear of the Lord. So we're getting ready to go tomorrow back into the work week, back to school, back to whatever it is that we do on a regular rotation and routine. Isn't it easier sometimes to think godly thoughts on a Sunday because your flesh is getting two shots of Scripture in the morning and evening? You're reading your Bible. You're hanging out with Christian people. You don't have all the pressures. It's a lot easier, isn't it? But if you're not careful, you might think, well, that's just the way it goes. That's just the way it goes. And then we got to go back to the real world. Keep this in mind. The fear of the Lord is a choice. You can choose to fear the Lord tomorrow. You can choose to focus on him. Take your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. He says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. It's up to you. It's up to you whether or not you want to fear God. And sometimes we think, well, I got, I got through this week, I need to read my Bible one time. Well, you think God's going to kill you for not reading your Bible? You see, the Holy Spirit can be grieved with you. But I don't think the Holy Spirit is looking for ways to hurt you. He's not looking for ways to end your life. Any more than a father who says, listen, you better be careful. You better, you better, you're not used to riding your bike. You better put this arm, arm pad on. You better put your helmet on. You're going to get, I don't want any help. Okay. The, the father doesn't have to hurt the kid. He just lets the kid do what the kid is going to do. And guess what's going to happen? He's going to hurt himself. You know, in some sense, we grieve the Holy Spirit, we hurt God. But you know who you hurt even worse? Yourself. When you're not in the Word of God, you're hurting yourself. When you're not praying, you're talking to God. When you're not choosing to fear God, you're hurting yourself. What I've realized is, every week, I choose something to focus on. Now, that may be a multiple different theme. Sometimes people choose things for me to focus on. Sometimes situations happen. I can't help but focus on them. But I always choose what I'm truly going to focus on. Because sometimes it's like a stiff arm. 
I've got the ball. I'm running to make a touchdown for myself. You come along. Situation comes along. She comes. He. Co- I'm going to stiff arm them, and I'm going to keep going direction. Sometimes they overtake me and tackle me to the ground. But it's not because I want to be tackled. It's because it's the way the world happens. I've been watching football, you can tell. It's the way things happen. But let me ask you this. If you could get away from the tacklers, if you could get away from the situation, if you didn't have to worry about the problems, where would you be running? To to whom or to what are you looking to run? You and I have the opportunity to choose the fear of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't want fear. I don't want that. It seems like this eternal breaking system that God wants to apply to my life. Stop. Don't be an idiot. Stop. Slow down. And I'm like, when can I just go? Hey, in my flesh, I'm not going to please God. So I have to recognize that all through my life, I can't be completely free in anything. Romans chapter 6 tells us, and in chapter 7, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. You see, this idea is, if I could just get my parents, my authority, my problems and struggles and my flesh out of the way, I could just finally live for who? That's the question that we have to answer every day. If I could get out of this scenario, I'd finally be free to what? If that irritating person was not in your life, if that anvil was not over top of your head, or like in the cartoons, the piano. I love how pianos are always falling out of skyscrapers. Isn't that great? That's real life. (laughs) Here comes the piano. If I could get rid of that impending doom on top of my head, I would be free to what? You know what you can do? Even with the anvil and the piano on your head, you can choose to fear the Lord. If you didn't have the problem in your life, you still have to make the choice. You never get to a point in your life where you don't have to choose to follow God or follow the flesh. You know what a lot of people want to do? This is what I want to do. Well, I know what following the flesh means. It means doing bad stuff that I don't do. I don't do bad stuff. So it's not like I don't want to follow the Lord. I do, I do. And I'm going to. Believe me, I'm going to. I've thought about this for years. I intend to follow God. But I'm not doing bad stuff. You see, we redefine what bad stuff is so that we can feel like we're not following the wrong direction. The truth is, it's either or. Now, if you choose to follow the fear of the Lord and say, I'm choosing to fear God with my life. What does that mean? Well, if you're married, you, and I'm sorry, those of you that are not married, I mean nothing against you. I'm not trying to, you know, I understand. It just, it just so happens to be that I'm married. And, and it's, it's just a very handy illustration. But you know what, I'm, you know what it means to, to live in the fear of your spouse. What does it mean? It means I can make whatever decision I want, and I can do whatever I want, but I'm going to have to explain it to them. And I'm going to have to live with her after I try to explain it. See, walking in the fear of God is this. I can make any decision I want. I can listen to anything I want to. I can listen. I can watch anything. I can eat. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. I can wear anything I want to. But now you've got to explain it to God. Well, no, I don't have to explain it to God, actually. 
Because like there's a, like a lot of different ways that people see that. You're not supposed to walk in the fear of a lot of different people's opinions. You're supposed to walk in the fear of God. Walk in the fear of God does not mean you're now perfect and you do everything right. That's called self-righteousness. When you think you're better than other people because you check, 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 check. No, no, no. That's see this morning's sermon. But when you're walking in the fear of God, you're saying, God, I care more about what you think about what I listen to, what I watch, what I wear, what I eat, where I go, whose friend, what friend I have. I care more about what you think about those things than what I care about those things. It's choosing to walk in the fear of God. You can look at a believer and you can say, Look, I don't know how they do that. I don't, know, I don't know how, I can't live that. You ever look at a Christian and say, I could never say no to my flesh like that, I could, in that area, like they do? There's no way. <laughs> I am not, I'd never be able to get rid of my television. I'd never be able to say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to have friends like that. I'd never be able to, 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 to clean up my vocabulary and not say certain words that maybe aren't even horrible, but I'm gonna, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. Why? I mean... You see what I'm saying? We look at those people, we think, how did they get there? If they're truly walking with the Holy Spirit of God, in the fear of God, they're not doing it because they feel better about themselves or in order to feel better about themselves. They're doing it because they care about what God thinks about that thing. They are walking in the fear of God. Now, the fear of God is not something that is mentioned a great deal in that particular phrase in the New Testament, but it certainly is a New Testament concept. The Bible says that the, the, that the early church, the disciples, the church was walking in the fear of God. Now God informs everything that I do. When I first got married, I had this mistaken assumption that my wife would love to watch me play basketball. And it was not true. She couldn't care any less about it. When I was growing up as a teenager, I loved basketball. Man, it was to me, it was like Bible basketball. I'm not sure which. I loved it. Played it all the time, any chance I got. All over the country, I got to play all different kinds of people. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And when I got married, I realized she doesn't give a rip. Now, it wasn't like she said, I'm not making her out to be a mean person. I'll get in trouble for that. She didn't forbid me from playing basketball. She just wasn't interested in it. So now when I go to play basketball, hey, I'm going to go. You want to come and watch me? That's like saying, you know what? Would you like to, you know, get a nice paper cut and pour lemon juice in it, right? <laughs> no, I, no, I don't want to come and watch you. Any, she'd probably say, do you want to watch me knit? <laughs> probably not, right? Okay, well, then you do your thing and I do mine. I don't, I, I'm going to go and I'm just going to play. But you know what? It, it, I came to the point where I realized, I kind of cared about what she thought about how much basketball I played. You know what I told her? I said, I don't care a bit because I choose basketball over you any day, every day. You think I said that to her? I said it in my heart. I wouldn't dare say it out loud. (laughs) I'm not that kind of, I don't have that much masculinity. I'd never say that. But I'm standing up on the inside, right? (laughs) No. You know what I came to realize? Man, she's forcing me. She didn't force me. She didn't make me. She didn't sit me down and say, something's got to give. I just knew it wasn't really something she loved. And I'm gone for several hours. And I come back and she's like, 
wow, you were gone for a long time. And I just doubled down. And I said, listen, you know what? She wasn't mean. She wasn't nasty. But over time, I realized I'm going to live my life with the concern of my wife as a guiding principle. I'm going to be concerned about what she says. Now, I want to be careful not to say I live my life in the fear of my wife. The Lord doesn't call us to live in the fear of man. He calls us to live in the fear of God. And it just so happens that when I live in the fear of God, I love my wife as my own body. I care about what she thinks about me and what I do. Okay? Now, you can take this and break this down any any way you want, but relationships are built on uh, a trust, mutual trust. And the only way you'll ever be able to build up a human relationship the way God intends is for you to start with what God thinks first. And then, what do I want from this person, or what does this person want from me? It starts with God. You walk in the fear of God, and that is a choice that I make, a choice that I make every week. You're going to make that choice tonight. You're going to make it in the morning. Walking in the fear of God is a choice. Notice in verse chapter 2, he said, if. Verse number 1, he said in chapter 2, verse 3, yea, if. Verse 4, if. If, 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 what does that mean? It's not automatic. It's a possibility. Will you seek the Lord? Will you incline your ear unto wisdom? Will you? You know, sometimes we look at that as that you better or God's going to get you. You better or God's going to get you. Well, yeah, the fear of the Lord certainly has that aspect in it. But I'm just here to tell you, if you choose to fear the Lord, you're going to come to him. And guess what? He's not going to be mad. That's so that's what's so weird about I say weird. It's so odd. Because if I choose to fear the boss, he might rip my face off. He might not, but he might. When I choose to fear the Lord, I've already got a green light with him. You don't have to be afraid and knock on the door of God and say, God, I'm here, please don't kill me. He's already happy that you chose to fear him. He's already on board with helping you. He wants to help you. Isn't that amazing? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. It's a command, but it's not enforced. You choose to do it. All right, now, if you would look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy 4, verse 10. Again, Deuteronomy is the retelling, the second giving of the law. It's the reiteration. Because Israel's just like us. They have to be reminded of things that we already know and believe. I want you to see, secondly, that you must fear the Lord before you can love him. Chapter 4, verse 10. Especially the day thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me... What's another name for Horeb, by the way? Anybody remember? Starts with an S. Sinai. That's correct. Horeb, Sinai. When the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Look at chapter 5, verse 29. 5.29. Oh, he says, that there were such in heart... 
and heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Fear me. Fear me. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look at verse 1. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded you to, uh, to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Now, one more, Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? You have to fear him enough to obey him in order to love him. Now, this may go against the grain in some ways because we're taught in our culture, do what you love. Do what you love. What's my passion? A lot of people get caught in the paralysis of analysis. You know, young people are trying to, I'm trying to make a decision. I don't even know what my passion is. Don't worry about what your passion is. Focus in your walk with the Lord Focus on what God wants you to do and fear the Lord first and let the passion follow. Fear the Lord. You see, what will happen is this. If you think, well, I just want to do it from the heart. I just want to love God. I just want to feel something with God. Well, you certainly can. I've been overwhelmed with the love of God. I've had times where my tears are just falling down my face as I'm reading his word and I feel completely if you will, baptized in, in God's kindness and mercy, overwhelmed with it. How many have felt that before? It's amazing. You know, if you wake up tomorrow and try to get that feeling, you'll probably be completely miserable. You'll, you'll be very sorry. It won't happen. Why? It's, it, it, again, if I go and let's hang out with, uh, let's say I'm going to hang out with my, uh, with my friend. I've got a friend. Pretend, if you will. I've got a friend. And I'm like, let's get together. All right, what do you want to do? Play basketball, of course. We know we're going to play basketball. Okay, well, let's get together. Okay, now, here's what I want to do. When I'm with you, I, 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 when we spend this time together, I really want to feel really close to you. What's the guy going to say? Uh, I, uh, I got to go. No, I'm serious. I want to hang out with you. And I want to be like buddies. I want to be like really close to you. Like we could take selfies together. What do you think? It's like, I got stuff to do. I'm sorry, I can't make it. It would freak him out. Why? The feelings come, the feelings go. Don't worry about the feelings. Let them come, let them go. You know what happens? When you plan a vacation with the idea that this is going to be the most awesome vacation we've ever had, and you insist upon it, you're almost inoculating yourself against a good vacation. It's all, you're almost guaranteeing that it's going to be bad. Why? Because you have all your eggs in this basket of feeling a certain way. How about this? We're going to go up in the mountains and we're going to have a tent and we're going to, you know, or maybe you're like, we're going to go to a five-star hotel and just see what happens. 
We're going to get some good food. We're going to walk around or we're going to go surfing or we're going to go skate, whatever it is. Just do the thing and let the feelings fall where they fall. You might have an awesome time or you might not. You see, what we're waiting for is we're waiting for God to make us feel a certain way before we read our Bible. We're waiting for a burden on our heart before we give a tract to someone. You know what would be interesting to, to find out? The ratio of God using a person to do something when they don't feel like it at all and they don't feel spiritual versus God using a person to do something when they feel like they're on top of the world. I'll bet you that God uses you more often when you do it because you should than he does when you do it because you feel like it. That does not mean that God doesn't want you to love him and feel good about him and feel good about the stuff that God wants. No, it doesn't mean that. It's that you're not following God for the feels. You're following God because you fear him. And whether or not you actually get the feels or not, you're going to do what's right. Now, I understand that can lend itself to a very formalistic, mechanized Christianity if you're not careful. Just like I could say, I don't care about what my wife thinks or my kids thinks. I don't, I don't, I don't care what they say. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know what? If I do what I ought to do by them, the likelihood is they're going to love me and show love to me and care. They're going to show that they care and appreciate it. That's the likelihood. That's, that's because I've seen that happen in my life. If I show love to you, the likelihood is that I'm going to see that love. It's going to come back. But if I wait to feel that feeling before I do what I know I should do, most of the time I'll be waiting for the rest of my life. I will not see it. So think about this. As you go into your work week tomorrow, you're going to face a situation that's going to be either difficult or it's going to be boring, the same old, same old, or perhaps it's going to be really great, or somewhere in between. You don't know how you're going to feel on Wednesday. You don't know how you're going to feel tomorrow afternoon. But one thing you do know is that you have a God in heaven, and he's going to be God on Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and even Friday, and even Saturday, he's still God. And I am going to choose on every single one of those days to fear my God. I am going to focus my heart, and I'm going to say to God, God, I fear you. What do I fear about you? I fear your power. I, I fear your frown. I want to please you. You're not trying to frown at me. I know, God, you're not trying to be upset and mad at me. You want to shower me with blessings. You want to encourage me. You want to help me through those difficult times. I know that. But, God, I just want you to understand, if none of the things that I hope happen, happen this week, if I don't have any good feelings, if I get bad news, if I have a horrible week, I just want you to know, God, and I'm telling myself so that I hear myself tell you, I fear you above all things. I'm choosing you. You know what the Lord told Abraham? He said, Abraham, prove that you'll follow me. Prove that you believe in me. How? 
by taking your son, whom thou lovest, and offering him up as a sacrifice. Could it be that the fear of the Lord is obeying him to the point where I will take the thing that is most precious to me and I will say, God, if you want this, you can have it. You can have the most important person in my life. You can have the most important possession in my life. I give it, I give her, him to you. That could be the way that you start out your week in the fear of the Lord. Why, Lord, I'm not serving you because you've given me this wonderful life. I'm serving you because of who you are. And I will do so tomorrow, and I'll do so on Tuesday and through the rest of the week. When you choose to fear the Lord, now you're free to receive whatever God sends. If you wait to decide whether or not you're going to fear the Lord or follow the Lord by based on what he gives you, you'll be up tomorrow, you'll be down the next, up and down. But if you choose to fear the Lord, you can say, Lord, I am putting my sights above. I like to go flying in airplanes. It doesn't bother me. I, I don't necessarily like the long waits. I like to go and ask Corey Sullenberger if he'll usher me to the front of the line, TSA. He rarely does. He comes and he talks to me. He suffers with me. Sometimes I pressure him. No, I'm just kidding. But he's a blessing. Every time we go there, he works at the airport. And I don't like waiting in lines. I don't like all, the pre- the, the, all that. But you know what I love? I love the fact that when you get up high enough, you leave a lot of the junk behind. You, it's, it's, you can count on the cold. It's going to be cold. You can count on the sky, it's going to be clear. You don't have to worry about all the extra stuff. Now, sometimes air pockets and <laughs> down you go. But generally speaking, once you pass those clouds, it's more predictable. In your life, once you get past the clouds of your feelings and your emotions, the directions that you can be pulled, once you get up past that and say, Lord, I fear you above all things, Yeah, there's a lot of junk that can happen. Sometimes you'll hit an air pocket in your life. But you're above all of the weather patterns that change. You know what everybody says in every city and every state in America? If you don't like the weather around here, just wait five minutes, it'll change. People say that all over the country. Why? That's what weather does. That's what emotions do. That's what your heart does. It changes. If you don't like what your heart feels, just wait five minutes, it'll change. That's why you've got to choose to fear the Lord. Get up above your family, get up above your feelings, get up above the difficulties, your health, your finances, get up above all of that and say, Lord, you're my God. I'm knocking on the door and saying, Lord, what do you want from me? I will follow you alone. That's what we mean by devoting our hearts to God by worshiping God, by bringing our own bodies as a sacrifice to God. I will follow you. So Christian, you've got an opportunity to find wisdom. The door of wisdom is marked the fear of the Lord. Do you need wisdom in your life? For that knotty, thorny situation you can't figure out? The relationship that makes no sense? You need wisdom. And you get wisdom from the fear of the Lord. And you get the fear of the Lord 
by choosing to fear him. If you will choose to fear the Lord, I can promise you this. It's on God now. It's on God. You've come to God and you said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And by the way, once you've brought your problems to God and there's nothing else you can do, my advice is just chill. Because if you can't figure out what to do and God hasn't told you what to do, don't worry about it. Bring it to him and say, Lord, this is on you. And what you're going to find in your heart may not be in the moment, may not be that day or the next. If you continue, you're going to find in your in your spirit, the Holy Spirit prompting you in, in ways your desires are going to turn. You're going to find a new way of looking at the world because the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, is guiding you. Choose the fear of the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer tonight.